Hey. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Good. Great. Great. Nice to finally meet you. Yes. Thank you for dealing with the reschedule. I had strep throat last week, so not exactly the best way to record a podcast. Yeah, for sure. Well, I'm going to say what probably everybody else said, which is thank God it wasn't COVID. How are you doing today? I'm okay. I'm okay. Yeah. I'm just, um, I'm actually going to go to a spotting session right after this with Ashley, uh, a spotting session for one of the, uh, for some Dota stuff. So yeah. Ooh, cool. Congrats. Spotting sessions, I feel, are always a bit of an adventure, especially with my line of just student films right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, spotting sessions are cool. I mean, I, I, I enjoy them. I, I really like the, the way um, the way I get to do them with Ashley. Um, we, we almost never talk very specifically about music. It's almost always about sort of character motivation and, and where the story's going. So it's 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 fun for me because uh, sometimes in some situations, you know, you can bless you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, it can be, you know, um, spotting sessions can end up being a bit prescriptive. Um, but Ashley just isn't that kind of showrunner, so it's uh, um, it's it's a very open thing. So it's cool. It's always it's always fun. It's like having a it's like uh, having a therapy session for all the characters. You know, we talk about all their <laughs> their their uh, motivations and their uh, wounds and hurts and where their plot lines are going and where they've been. Well, where we've left off in the story that I think a lot of them would really much benefit from therapy. <laughs> yes, that's right. So the series has been out on Netflix for a few weeks now. What has the reception mm -hmm. been like on your end? Um, it's it's been really positive. I mean, I, you know, obviously, I you know, I read some of the press, and um, I, I've been really, you know, happy that my biggest concern when 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 I um, signed on to do this was just because it's something that um, so many people love, and so many people um, have invested so much time and energy into that i wanted to make sure that there, there's always a risk when you have something like that where where people end up um you know they have an image in their head of what they want it to be and if it's not that then they get pretty bugged so i my hope with all of it was just to kind of make sure that everybody felt like um that we were doing the whole thing justice so that was and so far it seems like the people who um are you know, more familiar with the game and who've been in that world, um, you know, feel pretty good about, about, you know, what we've done. So that's been good. Yeah. And honestly, I started watching the screener before the series came out and mm -hmm. I was a little nervous about what reception might be because shows and movies that have been adapted from video games for a, a long time have had a bad reputation. Yeah. Yeah, for sure particularly because Mario sucked. Um, <laughs> but the past two years, especially with Witcher last year, we've seen the response to those adaptations go way up. So I'm glad that yeah. Dota has been more on the positive side than the negative side. Yeah, it's been really cool. And I, like I was, I was a little, because especially, you know, gamers spend so much time with the games um, that, you know, I was a little nervous about how, 
how they would feel. You know, we took a, a little bit different approach to the music than than Dota has in the game, uh, than Tim Larkin did in in his scores, which are great. Um, and I had actually talked to Tim, um, you know, really? while yeah, while we were writing uh, because. Um, because I knew that I didn't want to do what he did because I felt like there was no point in doing what he did. And this was, this was a separate thing. So it's like, I didn't want to do like a bad version of what he did. He already did a great job. Um, so, um, I just talked to him and I, <clears throat> about how music functioned in the game and, and how, uh, how the players related to it and how, um, you know, what were some of the, you know, I, I, he actually sent me a list of, of, of themes that from the game that, that people that were sort of popular ones, uh, that people really responded to. So, you know, it's an interesting Dota itself, you know, with regard to music is interesting because I don't know if you've played the game. I, uh, I probably spent more time playing it eighth grade than I should have and probably should have spent more time on my homework, but. You know. <laughs> um, it's, it's, um, you know they have like user mod packs so a lot of a lot of players will you know have just completely different music than whatever the the the, the music that was written for the game is so it's it's an interesting relationship that people have uh, with the music some players don't have any music at all you know some players have something totally different um so yeah they, you know i just wanted to try to get at figure out what was important and make sure that everyone um you know that i did my homework my, i did my research that's really awesome. You even went right through the question I was going to ask you next. What was your favorite theme from the original score? Uh, I think the the um, the radiant theme, uh, which we actually kind of uh, paraphrased uh, in uh, at the in, in the end credits. We actually have that stuck in there, and we actually had a, um, and then we actually had another. What was it? It was the victory theme um that we actually had in the first episode when davion and bram walk into the bar the band is actually playing it mm -hmm. so um yeah, yeah we had a couple of uh we wanted to make sure we kind of dropped a couple of little easter eggs in there for people that i didn't notice the one in the end credits but in the first episode when they walked into the bar i was like ah i found something <laughs> it's always nice to find an easter egg yeah, yeah. Well, we wanted to put those in, and and you know, um, I I wanted to also do that just out of respect for Tim and all the all the you know, the great work and the history he put into the game. So nice. It's, I always really like to see how different composers approach something where music has already been previously written for the franchise, because some people purposely avoid listening to previous scores because they don't want it to influence them. And some people like you kind of look at it as doing your homework and studying up on it. Well, I actually wrote, I actually didn't do that until we, I had kind of set up a bit of a, a world and kind of an identity for the Dota music because of the fact that I didn't want to get, I was a little worried about getting hung up on on doing what Tim did. So I actually didn't even listen to his scores until we'd been working on it for a little while. And then Ashley and I, Ashley Miller and I uh, had had some back and forth on on kind of what the idea of the, the, the musical world for this this interpretation would be. How did you but I, I was, oh, go ahead. <laughs> oh, no, I was just gonna say, I, you know, I was lucky in that, you know, we didn't get 
uh, it would have been very reasonable or, or you know, kind of a, a conventional choice for for uh, for Mir or for Valve or or for Netflix to say, you know, hey, like give us a score like, you know, like the game. Which originally when we we kind of pitched them the score when we gave them the first couple of things, they were like, this is cool, but like where's the orchestra? And um, and so then you know we, we kind of had to explain why. Um, you know why we wanted to do it this way, and then we we eventually kind of came to a middle ground where there was, you know, you'll hear some traditional orchestration along with some of the more uh, synth heavy things. Yeah. Do you got some knocking on your door? Oh no, sorry. That was that was uh, that was. I have a little. Um, we're we're in a house. We're we're renting a house right now because our our house burned down in the Malibu fires. So we're slowly oh, no. building. It was everybody was fine. It's all fine, and you know we finally got rid of that mouse that was shooting under the kitchen sink. But uh, <laughs> and, but we're renting this house now, and it has um it has carpet in in the room that I'm I'm using. So I actually have like a little like a hardwood mat uh, underneath oh. me. So you're just I, that was just my foot on the hardwood mat. Oh okay cool no worries. <laughs> I, I'm in university right now, so we've definitely had lots of moments of like teachers and people having to leave because someone's at their door so I just like I'm prepared for it now no normally if anybody comes to my door it's one of my two dogs and it's one in particular and he always thinks the door is open so he just you'll just hear a big thud and it's his big blocky <laughs> head hitting the door as a way to open it and then I have to go open it for poor Rocco <laughs> my Australian shepherd somehow figured out the convention of knocking so he'll like go to the door and just like hit it with his paw. <laughs> That's awesome. And he will even do it if like his dog door is closed because we're like mopping the floor or something. He'll knock on his dog door too. <laughs> That's great. Well, off the subject of dogs, even sure. though I, I love dogs so much. Uh, back to the conversation, how did you actually go about building this world and sound palette for the score? It sounds like there was a lot of back and forth. Um, yeah, I mean, the the original, um, originally when Ashley, uh, I met Ashley Miller when we were doing um, uh, a show called Lore that was on Amazon. Um, and uh, when we, we actually met we didn't meet during the show. We just, I, you know, we'd emailed a little bit, but um, we we met after and he said, hey, I'm doing this thing on Netflix. And I, I think, you know, this might be really cool if you want to check it out. And so we were, um, uh, we, we met and we talked about it. And the first time we talked about it, I said, well, hey, you know, what if we, well, I think his, Two of his big touchstones were um, Tangerine Dream and um, uh, Tangerine Dream and uh, what was the other one that we, not craft work, I think it was Tangerine Dream and Vangelis that he kept referencing. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of um, films that, you know, we talked about that had synth scores, especially like, um, John Carpenter films and things like that. And so I said, okay, well, what if we didn't have an orchestral score? What if we had a totally synth score, but not like a not a like a retro synth score? What if we just had a very synth forward score? And I said, he said, well, what do you mean? I said, okay, for example, like what if 
Um, what if in our um, action sequences, what if instead of having like a big orchestra, we had um, just like a big hard style kick going four on the floor during the whole thing? He was like, well, what did that sound like? And I said, well, let me, let me do it and I'll send it to you. And so that actually became the scene in, in, um, in episode three where Marana's in the cave with the dire creeps. Um, uh, and that was, I was listening to like a lot of Flying Lotus at the time. And, and so I was doing just, you know, I, it was really a guy, I had no, at the time when I did that scene, they just sent me an animatic. Uh, which is a, a not at all fully rendered sort of, it's like a sketch of the animation that sort of just yeah. moves a little bit. Um, and, uh, and I just, and, and I just wrote to that and, uh, and I sent it to him and I, I didn't really know what the story was at that point uh, in that scene. I hadn't read the script yet. And I just said, well, what if it sounded like this? And I basically did what you end up hearing in that episode and Ashley, you know, thought it was great. And um, so did the other writers. And then, so that it just kind of went from there. So that was sort of our, that was sort of like the, um, the zenith of our sort of, you know, orchestraless concept. And then, you know, there were other scenes where we ended up, you know, working in, you know, orchestra and, you know, stuff like that. So. Do you end up recording in orchestra or is it still all synth based? Um, we have some, uh, we have, it's a mix. So some of it's live instrumentation and some of it's synths and some of it's samples. And so it's kind of a mix of things. Um, we had, you know, all of it's done, been done remotely, obviously because of the mm -hmm. you know, pandemic hellscape we all live in now, but, uh, the, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so it's kind of a mix of things. Do you have any favorite musicians to work with? I absolutely do. Uh, you, do you want me to name them? Yeah, go for <laughs> it. Sure. Well, I'll tell you, um, uh, actually, you know what? Uh, actually, I'm not going to name them. And I'll okay. tell you why. <laughs> I'll tell you why. Because there's too many, and I know I'm going to leave somebody out. So Fair enough. If you, if you, if you worked with me on, in the past 10 years, I love you. That's... Shout out to everybody. Shout out to everybody. <laughs> so with a score like this, that is jam packed full of action. Mm -hmm. Sorry, somebody's trying to call me. I ignored them. Anyway, back to the question. When a score is so full of action, especially with Dota, it's really fluid between action sequences, chase scenes and things like that happen mm -hmm. all the time. And mm -hmm. how do you approach these moments without making it feel too repetitive, like something new instead of just another battle? Um. Well, you know, a big, a big thing on this show in particular, um, and it's a big thing that, um, that, that, and this comes from Ashley, because we do a lot, you know, he's a, you know, he's very much, a, you know, he's a huge part of the, of the music process. Um, a, a big part of that is thinking about the point of view of, of when each scene that we're doing, what's the point of view? Like, are we, which character's point of view or, or is it from the audience's point of view? 
And so that, that really kind of helps inform, um, you know, where the music goes. So when you have these big, you know, five to eight minute action scenes, um, you sort of map them out in terms of thinking about less about sort of, um, I mean, there are certain stylistic things and there are th things that you do, but in terms of sort of a lot of them end up sort of just being different because you're, you're approaching them differently because they're from a different character's point of view. So if, if it's a scene where, you know, we're really focusing on Marana and everything that happens is sort of happening to her or in relationship to her, that's going to feel different than like a Caden scene or a Davion scene. So that's, that's been a big, and that we spent a lot of time talking about that in each of, in each of the scenes, like, you know, whose point of view is and when the point of view shifts. Um, and that's a big thing that we do with the music. So, um, but action scenes are fun because, you know, there are a lot of times for me, they're a place where you can do kind of a lot of experimentation because they tend to be big and loud. So if I have some new fun, big and loud thing that I want to try out, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll get to try it out on, a, on an action scene. And also, you know, you, you, with action scenes, what's kind of cool in these big ones um, is that you actually, you know, in television, you don't always have a lot of time to develop a theme or develop an idea because you might have a 30 second cue. You know, when you have like a five or eight minute cue, you know, it, it's a lot of music to write, but there's a lot of space in there to take something and develop it and then move it around and come back to it. And, you know, so that's that's sort of um, structurally, there's there's a lot you can do with a scene that generally because the action scenes just tend to be longer. So, yeah. And are action scenes one of your favorite pieces to score or do you tend to lean towards another area? I guess my, the real question here is what are your favorite kinds of cues to score? Um, that's a good question. Um, you know, I think there are, there are sort of, when you go through an episode or a movie or whatever, there are, are, scenes that are more um, uh, expository, um, setting everything up. And then you get, when you get later into the film or the, you know, or the, the show or the, or the series or whatever, you know, then you start to get some of the, you know, some, some, you actually get sort of the climax of some of those things. And that there are sort of these ideas that you're you know, in the exposition, you're setting up, then you get to realize those scenes. So I think, you know, it's always kind of in act three that, you know, I always, or, you know, in an hour long show act six, um, you know, that I, I always end up having a lot of fun writing those because, you know, when you get to take little things that you've set up earlier in the film or earlier in the show and then sort of fully realize those, that's always, that's always fun for me. So, you know, it doesn't have to be an action scene. Sometimes it's a big, you know, climactic, you know, uh, scene with two characters falling in love or somebody dying or whatever. But it's, you know, when I have enough time to write a enough time in the scene to write a melody that goes somewhere, I that's that's really gratifying to me. Yeah. And then on the other side of the coin, what are your least favorite cues to score? I, mean, I wouldn't say I have least favorite cues, but I think that. You know, there, there, there are, um, 
there are, are there's always sections that are more functional. Um, we don't do that a whole lot on Dota. On most of, on most shows, uh, you know, or especially like anything kind of procedural, anything like in a anything in the, anything in like in a show that's very talky, like a police show, or anything procedural, like a police show or a medical show. There'll be a lot of scenes where um, there's a whole lot of talking, and the music is just sort of ticking underneath. You know, it just sort of it kind of provides like a bed. And we'll always spend a lot more time actually on those scenes than you'd think, because a lot of times you have to really highlight where the conversation's going with the music. But that that stuff is is generally just more sort of underscore. You're really just kind of laying a bed for the characters to talk over. The music doesn't have a chance to do as much. So I'd say if there's anything that's like, I wouldn't say it's my least favorite, but it's sort of like, you know, it's it's function. It's more functional than it is sort of like, you know, you're it's you know you're not going to have like a a very a big creative palette underneath when like you know three characters are talking about somebody's you know Hodgkin's lymphoma diagnosis or something, you know. So yeah. just last week I had a film score assignment where I had to score a scene where we had these three different people in a hospital talking about somebody who had liver cancer uh -huh. and it was also supposed to be super emotionally high because the person who had cancer was confessing to killing the other guy's wife oh okay so it was many many, many to things coming together balance yes. those two things out so what is something new you learned from this project? Uh, hmm, that's a good question. I, you know, I think that, you know, with each, I think with every project that you do, um, I, I always try to take on, um, I try to try to learn to, to think a lot like the, you know, in TV would be the executive producer or in film would be the director, but you know, whoever, whoever I'm working with on the music, I really try to get into their head as much as possible and, and to learn, um, you know, if they have favorite movies, you know, I'll go watch those movies or if they have a, you know, favorite book or, you know, and, you know, with, I did that a lot with Jeff Davis, uh, when I worked on Teen Wolf, um, um, you know, there were, there were things that, uh, Sean Crouch referenced on lore that, you know, I would go, you know, a lot of times somebody will say, Hey, you know, you know, it's like that movie and they'll, they'll reference that a couple of times. You're like, okay, that's important. So I, so, you know, so, and you know, with Ashley, cause we've worked, we've worked so closely on, on, on this stuff on Dota. Um, there's a lot of like, sometimes literally like I'll be in the middle of writing and be like, okay, just stop what you're doing. Go watch this movie. And, and that happened actually this last week, and uh, it was a it was a movie that I should have seen, and I just hadn't seen for whatever reason. And I'm not going to say what movie it was because it's oh, embarrassing. No. But it was a classic horror film that I just hadn't seen, and uh, and he was like, "Okay, you know what? Stop what you're doing. Go watch that movie, and then write that thing again." And <laughs> uh, and 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 so it was. Um, so for me, it's like it. I try to. I try as much as I can to, 
you know, use the people I'm working with as a resource. Uh, because, you know, I'm, you know, I started out as a, as a guitar player, you know, that's kind of what I thought I was going to be doing my whole life. Like I didn't, you know, I didn't start out as like a film nerd. Um, and so there's, you know, most of the people that I work with have been film nerds their whole life. I mean, like, you know, and, um, you know, Jeff Davis is a big film nerd and like, um, you know, Ashley, you know, he has like, I don't know, like three podcasts or something that he does that just, just on film. He's a huge film fan. So anytime I'm working with people like that, like I, I always try to absorb as much as I can of their knowledge and try to kind of synthesize that into what I do. My goal is to always, um, is not to really be the composer, but to be uh, somebody who can help tell the story. Just, you know, my part of it is, is music. So in order for me to do that, you know, I really have to think like a writer or like a cinematographer or like, you know, an editor a lot of times. And really, if I can think, um, if I can think from those perspectives, then it really helps me to write music that makes sense in the bigger picture. I think you phrased that really, really well. Well, thank um, you. <laughs> so aside from the spotting session you have in about an hour, what else are you working on? Um, if you're I allowed to say. <laughs> unfortunately, none of it is stuff that I can really um, talk about right now. Um, mm -hmm. But it's uh, there's other things that are um, that are coming through uh, toward the end of this year that I'm very excited about doing it. I'm getting to work with some really cool people and I'm just really happy that I get to keep doing this. I can't believe this is my job. <laughs> well, I think that's awesome. It's really important to have a job that excites you. Is there yeah. any part of you that wants to do more performing in the future? Um, Part, yeah, sometimes, you know, I, I get, um, sometimes I, I, you know, I spent a good portion of my career performing and, and I really do miss sort of, um, being on a stage with other musicians and I, and I certainly miss being in the studio. I really always liked being in the studio. That was always a really creative spot for me. So I do miss being in the studio with other musicians. So, um, I, I really do hope that, you know, um, you know, here in California, we're, we're all supposed to be able to get our shots in about two weeks. They're going to open it up to everybody. So I'm awesome. hoping, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm hoping that once we all get our shots and, you know, probably, probably won't be like, we won't be back to normal until I'm guessing early next year, but hopefully, um, once things get kind of back to normal and we can start socializing again, I would, I would love to, you know, certainly play with some, um, you know, some musicians that I, I really miss playing with. But thank you so much for doing this. It's been awesome. Yeah, of course. I really enjoyed the score as well. Do you thank have you very any, much. Yeah. Do you have any final thoughts that you would like to share with students who will be listening to this podcast in a couple of weeks? Um, uh, what kind of students? What, what, what are they studying? Feel like film uh, students? Music students. Yeah. Music, oh, music, wait, are students. you a music student? Are you a I film am. I am oh, in really? the third year of my music composition degree. Oh, no kidding. Okay, cool. Yeah. I didn't know that. I thought I thought you were like a I thought you were like a um because you said you were a university student. I, I thought you were a a uh, filmmaking student. 
here's what I would say. Um, the, the, everybody, I think it was Jason Graves. I think I saw him say that uh, nobody breaks into music. They sort of ooze into it. Um, and, and I think that's a great way to put it. Um, there are the, you will, you will find those points in time where, uh, you know, you will have an opportunity to do something. Um, and it'll be sort of a, a break. I mean, like, certainly I can point to things in my career uh, that were, you know, breaks. Uh, but, you know, a lot of them came about because of something completely different that I did. Um, I mean, I ended up doing Teen Wolf, which was my first film scoring job because I had worked on a reality show in a kind of a weird capacity. I was a music producer. I wasn't even like scoring it. I was just sort of like making sure that the music that was on the show was broadcast ready. And I developed relationships through that. And I, and I think that what I have found is there's, there's a lot of, and especially for young students, there's a lot of, um, a lot of people will tell you a lot of nonsense about like, you got to network and you got to hustle and get all, like you'll hear that a lot. And I mean, that's true to a certain extent, but I mean, networking is essentially just you working with your friends. And so, you know, if you are good at what you do and you show up on time and, you know, show up sober and, you know, like do the work, um, there's always a place for people who do that. It's not, it's not a mystery. Like there's not like, you know, People are always looking to hire people who can do. I had a guy recently who was um, helping me do some kind of admin stuff, and I knew he was a, a composer. And um, and he did such a good job with the admin stuff. And I and I I heard his reel, and it was great. And I was like, okay, well, I got to get you writing something because um, because you know because the the conscientiousness and kind of the intelligence that he displayed, like you know, doing the admin stuff was so good. I was like, well, this guy obviously clearly knows how to be on time, knows how to like, and those things are really important. So I guess I would say like, there's there's a whole lot of artistic, I'm being very long winded, I'm sorry, but there's that's a whole okay. lot of art artistic things that you wanna think about. And that's like a whole nother concern and that's really up to you. But you know, the in terms of kind of like having a future working in music, there will there is always a place for people who, know how to do their job, do it on time, and are pleasant to work with. Like, you would be shocked how hard it is to find that. You'd be shocked, like, yes, there are a million people in Los Angeles and they're all doing this. And a lot of them are really talented, but not all of them can just do those three or four things. So, you know, it's, there's, there, there will be a place for people. And, you know, it's not, it just, it takes time. It takes time. Like you have to start working and then all your friends have to start working in order for you to kind of start getting those. So, you know, when you do those student films, like those are going to be the people who end up hiring you later, you know? So it's, um, I would just say, just try to be genuine with just do good work with people. And like that stuff will come like all the kind of like ne networking, hustling bullshit. Like everyone knows like nobody is going to like, you're not going to like, you're not going to meet somebody who's got three Oscars and you're not going to hustle them. Like they've been hustled. You know what I mean? So just like, just do the work and, 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 you know, and when those opportunities are there, people will call you. Well, 
Awesome. Thank you so much. Have a great yeah. rest of your day. Good luck at your spotting session. <laughs> Thank you very much. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. Take care. Hi, guys. Thank you so much for tuning into episode four of season two. It was so much fun getting to chat with Dino about his work on Dota Dragon's Blood. If you haven't seen the series yet, go ahead down to the description, click on that. It'll take you to the Netflix page and you can go ahead and watch the series. Let me know in the comments what you think and I will be back with episode five in a week. Remember to follow us on Spotify, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or wherever you are watching this podcast so that you can find out when our next episode comes out and who our future guests are going to be. Thanks, guys. Have a great rest of your day.